Well, I'm going to try to tie this homily into both our first reading and our gospel. I'll see if I can pull that off here. Uh, I get a, a real, I'm very fascinated by this idea of um, Paul and Barnabas. They're frustrated with the fact that the Lyconians, these pagans, actually wanted to offer sacrifice to them as, their, as if they were gods. And, and they take their, this is a Jewish practice, they take their garments and they go, ah, and they, they rend Rend their garments. It's kind of interesting, isn't that, to actually rip your garment like that? What does that mean? You know, to this day, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure within rabbinic Judaism for very, you know, observant um, Orthodox Jews, during, uh, there's a part of their ritual during the funeral where the, uh, the closest of kin to the person who died has to rend their clothes. And, uh, of course, you know, with today's modern material, you have to, like, start it. You know, you, you take a little scissor and you cut just a little bit, and then, and then you're able to actually rip the whole thing. But in any event, you got this kind of Jewish custom of ripping your clothes, what's going on. You know, the high priest himself at Jesus' trial, he rips his clothes. Um, well, it's a, it's a real anguish of heart. Paul and Barnabas are very, very distraught at the response of the Lyconians to a miracle. God is speaking to them through this miracle, and they're not hearing and understanding what God is saying to them. God is speaking to them, and they're not hearing and understanding what God is saying to them. And they interpret this miracle within the framework of their own preconceived myths and false Ideas. Isn't that a tragedy? I mean, it's bad enough that you go through life without ever really um, knowing God and living in a fantasy world, not in the reality that God has created. But it's worse when God attempts to break through your fantasy world and your myths, and he actually speaks to you in a very, very powerful way. And you still don't get it. And I, I think that's probably this grief that they have, that, that Paul and Barnabas have. And he, they go on and they know. It's very interesting. He says, you know, God did not uh, deign to reveal himself to the pagan worlds before the Christian era. But he did speak to them, not, not by prophetic revelation, but he spoke to them through nature. And, uh, you know, this is what we're dealing with today, is that, so you got two ambassadors of God. you got two ways that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through nature, and then he speaks to us through revelation, through his prophets and through his son, Jesus Christ, through religion. And uh, the pagans were not getting it when God spoke to them through nature. And you know what? Even after the Christian era and God speaking to us prophetically, we have regressed in Western civilization to the point where we can't even hear nature speak to us anymore. We're out of alignment, not just with revelation. We're out of alignment with nature, meaning our common sense and our reason, which were given to us to be able to apprehend God's witness and his message through nature. Uh, that's not happening right now. And we choose to live in a, in a kind of a fantasy world and in a myth, mythological world. This is what I mean. Last week I spoke about ideologies. 
You know, I talked about how Marxist ideology or today Marxist ideology is still alive and well in, in a lot of universities and then the universities do influence how people approach the world and it influences education and politics. And so it's alive and well in America. Um, feminist ideology. Uh, yeah, I mean, both feminism and Marxism have some legitimate gripes and some legitimate insights. Um, but they're ideologies. They take reality and they simplify it and then give some kind of quick, easy, premature response or solution to the problem. And then the ideologue implements this kind of um, uh, ideology, this kind of solution, at the expense of reality. It's a tool that's not adequate to truth, to, to, to reality. And reality always comes back to bite you. There's negative consequences. Always going to be negative consequences. And the ideologue is so blind that they can't get it. When all the negative consequences take place, they say, well, it's someone else's fault. It's not the fault of my false theory. So communism, for example, founded on the Marxist ideology, does not work. It has led to the deaths of tens, if not hundreds of thousands of, I'm sorry, millions, tens of millions probably, the deaths of tens of millions of people in the 20th century. It does not work. And uh, the ideologue is so fixated on this bright idea of his that even when he sees it not working and he's got tons of precedence and proof that it doesn't work, he continues to try to ram it down society's throat. Today we've got gender ideology that there's no real distinction between men and women, that um, any kind of distinction between men and women is a pure product of uh, socialization and culture, that it's not rooted in nature. Try that out for size. Try to implement gender ideology and watch the negative consequences that will take place. The negative, negative consequences on children, on the stability of families, husbands and wives, Take, you know, another, this is a little bit less of an ideological example, but, you know, I think of it with parenting. We have a tendency today with parents that they want to shield their children from reality. They want to make them so, make their lives so safe that they can never, ever be harmed. And uh, they never want to say no to their kids. They never want to give negative consequences to their children. They never want to mete out any kind of punishment to children for bad behavior. And uh, what they're doing is they're setting their children up for serious disappointment as they get older because the reality of human society will come back and will bite them. So if you don't teach your kids that there's bad consequences to their bad behavior now when they're young, when they're able to learn and accept that kind of lesson, they're going to they're gonna find those consequences coming back to them when they're older. And they end up, I mean, worst case scenario, they end up in prison. Uh, and by that time, it will probably be too late. That they'll be so deaf to the voice of nature, to the voice of reality, that they won't learn the lesson. They won't be able to accept it. And so all the negative consequences won't be pedagogical. They won't be educational. They'll be merely vindictive. And just raw suffering will be the result. 
Uh, it's a real tragedy when we don't listen to reality, when we can't understand that there are certain givens and we just can't wish them away or create a, a, an alternative fantasy world for ourselves. We have to listen to nature and reality and scientific truth, okay, and philosophical truth. Um, this is God's way of speaking to us and teaching us. Now, that's the law of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow, period. Um, we can apprehend that by reason. God spoke to us in that means before the Christian revelation. But now we've got something in an even deeper and more profound way that God communicates to us today. He communicates to us through revelation, through a personal means. Okay, So it's not just you do something bad, something bad happens to you. Do something good, something good happens to you. That's one way that God communicates. But the deeper way is through direct personal communication. This is what we're talking about in our gospel here. Amazing, amazing revelation of the gospel. Jesus says that if you love him, if you love God, see, love presupposes this personal relationship. The Father and he will come. talks about the Holy Spirit coming as well. The Holy Trinity will dwell within us. That's an awesome, awesome mystery. And it's the three persons of the, of the Holy Trinity, this mystery that God is one, yet three persons, will be able to enter into this mystery of persons and have a personal relationship and a personal um, connection with God. How beautiful. Uh, how much a, a higher and better way of communicating and of hearing and listening to God. But if we don't listen to, to nature first, we'll be all the more deaf to God when he speaks to us personally through his son, Jesus Christ. So my brothers and sisters, what's the takeaway? I think, you know, we have, we have myths in our own personal lives that we're blind to. We want to believe that, you know, for example, when it comes to parenting, you know, we can just keep doing X, Y, and Z and it's all going to be okay. We, be, we don't want to listen to the negative consequences of our actions, things like that. These are myths. These are fantasies that we, we indulge in. You know, we, we think that we can get away with that affair. That's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to be any negative consequences. It's nonsense. Serious, serious consequences to those sorts of things. So let's get rid of our myths, our personal fantasies. Clear the house out. Get rid of these things so that we can really listen to reality. Uh, and then from there, we can listen in a deeper way when God speaks to us personally and we can enter into that personal relationship with God.